Chapter 8 of The Life of Clara Barton, Volume 2 by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 The Birth of the American Red Cross. It is important that this book shall make plain, by means of all necessary emphasis, and if need be, by reiteration, that the United States did not come automatically or promptly into the sisterhood of nations associated under the banner of the Red Cross. From 1864 until 1881 was a period of 17 years. The United States was the last of the great civilized nations of the world to ratify the treaty. It is also important to make plain that the work of securing this tardy recognition of the Red Cross on the part of the United States did not devolve upon an organization in this country or upon a group of people laboring together. If ever a great enterprise came into being as the result of a persistent, indefatigable effort of one person, that result was achieved by Clara Barton in securing the adhesion of her own country to the international agreement which included the Red Cross. Clara Barton undertook to secure national recognition for this organization during the administration of President Rutherford B. Hayes. She had already begun work in this direction as early as 1876 and it seemed that she had every requisite for success when in eighteen seventy seven president moignet addressed an official letter to president hayes informing him of miss barton's appointment and asking that the united states come into the agreement but the promised success was delayed President Hayes received Miss Barton at the White House and listened courteously but not enthusiastically to her story. So did the Attorney General of the United States, the Honorable Charles Devins, to whom the President referred her, and who found no serious legal obstacle in the way of her desire. Each sent her with a note of introduction to the Secretary of State. President Hayes wrote the following little note. Executive Mansion, Washington, 4th of January, 1878. My dear sir, Miss Clara Barton of New York State has some plans regarding the mitigation of the cruelties of war which she wishes to present to you. Please give her a hearing and such aid and encouragement as may be deemed by you fit. Sincerely, R. B. Hayes, Honorable, W. M. Everts, etc., etc. But the movement encountered apathy and quiet but determined opposition and resulted in no executive action. In a little scratch-book I find Clara Barton's own account of this disappointment. Her narrative goes back to Civil War days and then proceeds with her experience overseas and her service in the Franco-Prussian War. As I journeyed on and saw the work of the Red Cross Society, 
more accomplished in four months under their systematic organization than in our four years without no mistakes no needless suffering no starving no lack of care no waste no confusion all busy and at work a whole continent marshalled under the banner of the red cross working instead of weeping nursing instead of waiting as i saw all this and journeyed and worked with it i said to myself if i live to return to my country i will try to let her people understand the red cross i did more than resolve I promised other nations I would do it. In 1873 I returned more broken than I went. There had been years of helplessness in which I forgot how to walk. Still, I remembered my resolution and my promise. I came to Dansville and I brought that resolution and that promise with me after about two years i was able to go to washington with a letter from the international committee of geneva to the president of the united states asking once more that america sign the treaty of geneva being made the official bearer of this letter i presented it in eighteen seventy seven in person to president hayes he received it kindly and referred it and me to his secretary of state mr everts who in his turn referred it to his assistant secretary mr frederick seward as the person who would know all about it examine it and report for decision mr seward had been the assistant secretary of his father and of secretary fish when it had been previously presented he remembered this refusal and referred me to the record. He regarded it as a settled thing. I saw that it was all made to depend on one man, and that man regarded it as settled. I had nothing to hope for then, but did not press the matter to a third refusal. It waited, and so did I nor had she any better success in her approach to members of congress they were either apathetic or positively hostile they knew nothing about the red cross and they cared less the united states was not going to have any more wars if it ever should have any wars this country would manage them in its own way it did not care that anyone in Europe should tell it how to provide for the care of sick and wounded men. As for relief to be sent from America to any countries in Europe that might be in war, the American people were fully competent to create their own agencies on this side of the water and to distribute relief through such agencies as they might select or constitute upon the other side even miss barton's staunch friends in the senate and in the house could give her very little aid or comfort if she could enlist the interest of the president or of the secretary of state something might possibly be done otherwise it was useless to try so far as is known clara barton's little eight-page pamphlet issued in eighteen seventy eight 
had no more effect than Dr. Pellow's 16-page pamphlet in 1866. If a single newspaper had taken it up and commented favorably upon it, Clara Barton would have been practically certain to have clipped and treasured the article or editorial. There is not in her papers a single letter or newspaper clipping which indicates that any man, woman, or child in the United States responded favorably to her published letter which was quoted in the last chapter. She used her pen and her voice and her power of personal persuasion without avail. The seed of that sowing appeared to fall upon the rocks, and it took no root. In November 1880, James A. Garfield was elected President of the United States. Miss Barton knew him somewhat. She wrote him a letter of congratulation, to which he returned a brief but gracious reply. Soon after his inauguration, she called on him at the White House and presented the following letter, which nearly four years before she had brought to the attention of President Hayes. International Committee for the Relief of Wounded Soldiers, Geneva, August 19, 1877, to the President of the United States at Washington. Mr. President, the International Committee of the Red Cross desires most earnestly that the United States should be associated with them in their work, and they take the liberty of addressing themselves to you with the hope that you will second their efforts. In order that the functions of the National Society of the Red Cross be faithfully performed, it is indispensable that it should have the sympathy and protection of the government. It would be irrational to establish an association upon the principles of the Convention of Geneva without the association having the assurance that the army of its own country, of which it should be an auxiliary, would be guided, should the case occur, by the same principles." it would consequently be useless for us to appeal to the people of the country inasmuch as the united states as a government has made no declaration of adhering officially to the principles laid down by the convention of the twenty-second of august eighteen sixty four such is then mr president the principal object of the present request we do not doubt but this will meet with a favorable reception from you, for the United States is in advance of Europe upon the subject of war, and the celebrated instructions of the American army are a monument which does honor to the United States. You are aware, Mr. President, that the government of the United States was officially represented at the Conference of Geneva in 1864 by two delegates, and this mark of approbation given to the work which was being accomplished was then considered by everyone as a precursor of a legal ratification. Until the present time, however, this confirmation has not taken place, and we think that this formality, 
which would have no other bearing than to express publicly the acquiescence of the United States in those humanitarian principles now admitted by all civilized people, has only been retarded because the occasion has not offered itself. We flatter ourselves with the hope that appealing directly to your generous sentiments will determine you to take the necessary measures to put an end to a situation so much to be regretted. We only wait such good news, Mr. President, in order to urge the founding of an American Society of the Red Cross. We have already an able and devoted assistant in Miss Clara Barton to whom we confide the care of handing to you this present request it would be very desirable that the projected asservation should be under your distinguished patronage and we hope that you will not refuse us this favor receive mr president the assurance of our highest consideration for the international committee g moignet president President Garfield heard her story with genuine cordiality. He knew her and the work she had done both in this country and abroad. He assured her of his warm personal interest and referred her to the Secretary of State for a further discussion of the matter. His note was brief and to the point. Executive Mansion, Washington will the secretary of state please hear miss barton on the subject herein referred to j a garfield march thirtieth eighteen eighty one it was several days before clara barton succeeded in securing an appointment with secretary blaine she did not want merely to present the president's note but to have time to tell the story of the red cross mr blaine agreed to see her on monday april eleventh eighteen eighty one her nephew stephen who had come to washington for a few days accompanied her on this visit and it is fully recorded in his diary the beginning of the interview was not encouraging for mr blaine after appointing the time apparently forgot about it and was occupied when they called the appointment had been made for 11.30 at the Department of State. Clara and Stephen waited for an hour in the diplomatic chamber. At the end of that time, Mr. Blaine came in, accompanied by Mrs. Dr. Loring of Massachusetts. Introductions ensued. Mrs. Loring said she would esteem it an honor to make the acquaintance of Miss Barton, and arranged for an interchange of calls. Mr. Blaine referred to Miss Barton's call at his residence and hoped it would not be the last. Mrs. Loring then withdrew, and Mr. Blaine apologized for having kept Miss Barton waiting. She told him the nature of her visit and presented the letter of President Garfield. Mr. Blaine told her that he knew practically nothing about the Red Cross and asked her to state briefly its object. He thought it would come more clearly under the supervision of the Secretary of War, but she explained the necessity for the treaty. The international aspect of the organization had not previously occurred to Mr. Blaine. 
he had supposed it would be purely an American society operating under the War Department, and that any encouragement given by the Secretary of State would be incidental and personal. Miss Barton replied that if he could give her time, she would like to tell him in detail what was involved in the relation of the United States to the Red Cross. He replied, Miss Barton, I can give you all the time you need. Clara then told him the whole story from beginning to end, and Mr. Blaine listened with intent interest. He inquired why President Hayes had not pushed the matter to a successful conclusion, and she told him of Mr. Seward's objections, which went back to his father's secretaryship in Civil War days, and based upon the Monroe Doctrine. Mr. Blaine replied that the Monroe Doctrine was not made to ward off humanity. He told her that the grounds for Mr. Seward's objection would not stand in the way of the present administration. He assured her that he was in full sympathy with her proposal, and promised her that he would cooperate fully with her in carrying the matter successfully through. As for the official letter from Mr. Moynier, he assured her that he would be prepared to reply to that letter approvingly now, on the sole basis of her statement of the case. But he said that he wanted to do more than this. She replied that she knew it would be necessary for the Senate to approve. He told her if it needed the action of the Senate, that could be had. The confidence with which he spoke was most reassuring. He asked her to leave her little pamphlet with him for a few days, that he might become a little more familiar with the history of the movement. It was all new to him— but it was obviously a thing in which the United States should have its part with other nations. He could promise her that it would be done, and done promptly. Mr. Blaine suggested that it would be well for Miss Barton to talk over the matter of the Red Cross with the Secretary of War. On the following day, she went by appointment to see Secretary Robert T. Lincoln. Again, Stephen accompanied her and made a record of it. Miss Barton first expressed to Mr. Lincoln her appreciation of the kindness of his father. Stephen wrote, he was much affected and very grateful. The adhesion of the United States to the treaty was a matter for the State Department, but Robert Lincoln was greatly interested, and assured Miss Barton of his support in the operation of the Red Cross in case the administration agreed to it. In the next few days she made calls on other members of the cabinet. Nowhere did she encounter opposition or apathy. The interest of President Garfield and Secretary Blaine appeared to be contagious all official Washington seemed suddenly to have wakened to the importance of the Red Cross. She called upon several senators and was introduced by Senator Conger, who told them of Clara Barton's work in Michigan. With this introduction, and a knowledge of the President's approval, they met her with prompt and unreserved approval of her plans. Most of them had never heard of the Red Cross, but when she told them how many other nations had approved it, 
and that the president and secretary of state were ready to approve the treaty they gave her on the spot their heartiest endorsement she thought she understood secretary blaine's complete confidence that the senate would ratify the treaty as a matter of course more than a month elapsed before anything else occurred nothing unfavorable developed on the other hand neither the president nor mr blaine took any immediate steps the conkling difficulty had arisen, and both Garfield and Blaine had many other things to think about. Clara Barton began to wonder whether she could induce the Senate to remind the Secretary of State of his interest in the matter. On May 17, 1881, the Honorable Omar D. Conger of Michigan submitted to the United States Senate the following resolution. Resolved, that the Secretary of State be requested to furnish to the Senate copies, translations, of the Articles of Convention signed at Geneva, Switzerland, August 22, 1864, touching the treatment of those wounded in war, together with the forms of ratification employed by the several governments' parties thereto. It took a little time for the Department of State to gather the documents necessary to answer the request of the Senate, but Secretary Blaine did not wait for this formality. He remembered that there was an earnest little woman awaiting some definite answer from him, and he sent her the following letter. Department of State, Washington, May twentieth, 1881. Miss Clara Barton american representative of the red cross etc washington dear madam i have the honor to acknowledge the receipt of the letter addressed by mr moynier president of the red cross international convention to the president of the united states bearing the date of the nineteenth of august eighteen seventy seven and referred by president garfield on the thirtieth of march 1881 to this department it appears from a careful perusal of the letter that mr moynier is anxious that the government of the united states should join with other governments of the world in this international convention will you be pleased to say to mr moynier in reply to his letter that the president of the united states and the officers of this government are in full sympathy with any wise measures tending toward the amelioration of the suffering incident to warfare the constitution of the united states has however lodged the entire war-making power in the congress of the united states and as the participation of the United States in an international convention of this character is consequent upon and auxiliary to the war-making power of the nation, legislation by Congress is needful to accomplish the humane end that your society has in view. It gives me, however, great pleasure to state that I shall be happy to give any measures which you may propose careful attention and consideration and should the president as i doubt not he will approve of the matter 
the administration will recommend to Congress the adoption of the international treaty which you desire. I am, madame, with very great respect, your obedient servant, James G. Blaine. It would be interesting to know just how Clara Barton received the news. Unfortunately, her diary affords us no information. She must have gone forth from the office of the Secretary of State with wings upon her feet. There still would be months before Congress could act, but she sent the glad news at once to President Moynier and received from him an official reply which she transmitted to the Secretary of State. Geneva, June thirteenth, 1881. To the Honorable the Secretary of State, James G. Blaine, Washington. Sir, Miss Clara Barton has just communicated to me the letter which she has had the honor to receive from you, bearing date of May twenty-third, 1881, and I hasten to express to you how much satisfaction I have experienced from it. I do not doubt now, thanks to your favorable consideration and that of President Garfield, that the United States may soon be counted among the number of signers of the Geneva Convention, since you have been kind enough to allow me to hope that the proposition for it will be made to Congress by the administration. I thank you, as well as President Garfield, for having been willing to take into serious consideration the wish contained in my letter of August 19, 1877, assuredly a very natural wish, since it tended to unite your country with a work of charity and civilization for which it is one of the best qualified. Since my letter of 1877 was written, several new governmental adhesions have been given to the Geneva Convention, and I think that these precedents will be much more encouraging to the United States from the fact that they have been given by America. It was under the influence of events of the recent War of the Pacific that Bolivia signed the treaty on the 16th of October, 1879, Chile on the 15th of November, 1879, Argentine Republic on the 25th of November, 1879, and Peru on the 22nd of April, 1881. This argument in favor of the adhesion of your country is the only one I can add to my request and to the printed documents that Miss Barton has placed in your hands to aid your judgment and that of Congress. I now await with full confidence the final result of your sympathetic efforts, and I beg you to accept, sir, the assurance of my high consideration. G. Moynier, President. There lies before me, as I write, a little pad of paper, about three by five inches in size, of which more than half the sheets have been used and torn off, and of the remainder all but the top six leaves are blank. Those six pages are filled with writing in pencil, and the writing is that of Clara Barton. 
it is just such a pad as she habitually kept by her hard and narrow cot with a candle and a pencil at hand so that when she woke in the night she might sit up and write the thoughts that came to her she seldom retired before eleven o'clock and was habitually up as early as five but if she had waking hours between as she often had them she wrote down what was in her mind put out the candle and finished what was for her a good night's rest by sunrise or before in almost any part of the world except the united states the tablet begins the words red cross and the emblem for which they stand would be as familiar as are to us the words internal revenue or national board of health was there ever such a time most of us have forgotten whether there is a national board of health but the words red cross and the emblem for which they stand have become as familiar as the stars and stripes yet there was a time when all other countries knew of it but in the united states we knew of internal revenue and of the national board of health but not of the red cross the little tablet is not dated but i have no difficulty in supplying the date these six pages were penciled on a night between june ninth and july first eighteen eighty one they appear to have been intended as the basis of an article for the associated press endeavoring to call a little more attention to the fact that on may twenty first of that year the american red cross had actually been organized and that on june ninth it had elected officers the associated press had sent out a paragraph announcing the organization may twenty first and this was to tell that a subsequent meeting has been held and the following officers elected president miss clara barton secretary george keenan and so on she might have told but did not that her own name as president was presented by president garfield himself she had to explain what the red cross was for although during the last three or four years the public eye has been growing familiar with the term through constant efforts to secure for it such recognition in america as it long had had abroad nation after nation has recognized its benign mission the narrative runs on until twenty-seven countries have welcomed received and incorporated its humane principle into laws which govern their rules of warfare in twenty-seven lands wherever the national emblem is thrown to the breeze in token of war there floats beside it this beautiful emblem of mercy pity justice charity and neutral care for the wounded comfort for the dying and burial for the dead to us alone it is a stranger for seventeen years it has knocked at our door but our great noisy family failed to hear that was her first great triumph so she obtained her official recognition and then on the very next day held her meeting for organization 
and that fall secured her incorporation, and the next year the treaty, and so on and so on, one step leading to another and when she had gotten the consent of the white house she undertook to educate the great american republic and let them know what the red cross stood for she hoped the time would come when the name and symbol would be as well known in america as the words internal revenue or national board of health she had no publicity organization nor press committee but one night she sat up in bed lighted her candle took her little pad and pencil and began to write in almost any part of the world except the united states of america the words red cross and the emblem for which it stands would be as familiar and so on she did not finish the article in this form though I find what use she made of it later in that year, in a pamphlet entitled A Sketch of the History of the Red Cross. That document was reissued with added material in 1883, after the adoption of the International Treaty. The two lie before me, the completed pamphlet with the endorsement of Secretary Blaine and the nomination by President Garfield himself of Clara Barton to be president of the American Red Cross Association, and the three-cent pencil tablet on which Clara Barton began on one night very soon after June ninth, 1881, to teach the great American people what the words Red Cross and its emblem were intended to represent. She was not much given to weeping, but her tears would have wet through the little pad of paper many times before she accomplished what she undertook. But she succeeded. She lived to see the name and emblem of the Red Cross as familiar in her own country as in any of the twenty-seven that had previously adopted it. And that was what she hoped and prayed to do. It will be noted that all these documents from the President and the Secretary of State on the one hand, and from President Moynier and Dr. Appiah on the other, are addressed to Clara Barton. So far as is now known, there was no other person in America to whom they might have been properly addressed. From the time when she returned from the Franco-Prussian War until the President and the Congress of the United States had officially approved the Red Cross and the Senate had agreed to the Treaty of Geneva, there was, so far as is known, precisely one Red Cross in the United States, and that was the one which Clara Barton had brought back from the Red Fields of France. Not only so, but so far as is now known, in all those years, no other voice than hers, after Dr. Bellows gave up hope, was raised on behalf of it. No one else had a vision of its possible relation to the future life of the United States. One little woman, barely recovered from her nervous prostration, trudged wearily from desk to desk in washington and with voice and pen pleaded in season and out of season until the american red cross became a fact yes the american red cross was now a fact 
the president had consented the secretary of state had become an enthusiastic protagonist of the treaty the secretary of war heartily favored it and the entire senate appeared a unit in its favor the preliminary resolution had passed the senate without a single dissenting voice there were certain formalities which needed to be completed before the treaty could actually be signed and ratified but that was not worth worrying about president garfield and secretary blaine encouraged miss barton to go straight ahead and complete her organization she asked president garfield to become the president of the american red cross but he declined she told him that in other countries kings and chief magistrates were its presidents but president garfield thought he knew a person to whom that honor belonged in america when the american red cross was actually organized clara barton was made its president on nomination of james a garfield president of the united states on the very next day after receipt of secretary blaine's letter clara barton held a meeting and organized a national society of the red cross the society was duly and promptly incorporated under the laws of the district of columbia at a subsequent meeting held on the ninth of june eighteen eighty one the following officers were elected miss clara barton president judge william lawrence first vice president dr alexander y p garnett vice president of the district of columbia a s solomons treasurer george kennan secretary executive board judge william lawrence chairman miss clara barton dr george b loring mr walker blaine general s d sturgis colonel richard j hinton mrs s a martha canfield mrs f b taylor mr walter p phillips mr william f sliney mr john r van wormer general r d mussey consulting counsel of the association miss clara barton corresponding secretary nothing could have seemed more auspicious than the outlook of the american red cross on the day of its organization it had the support of the president his cabinet and the senate and its birth was hailed with satisfaction by all civilized nations the signing and approval of the treaty appeared a trivial formality just when everything was proceeding finely president garfield was shot by a fanatic on july second eighteen eighty one he lingered through the summer and on september nineteenth he died the red cross treaty had not been signed End of chapter eight